Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. Today, I have Reverend Robin King joining me for coffee again. And the, over the last couple of weeks, Robin and I have been on a bit of a wilderness journey. So we've headed into the season of Lent uh, with some really fantastic stories. And today we've got another uh, great story, a biblical story to explore, but also I think it's going to lead us into uh, sharing some personal stories from our own lives, I'm hoping. I, I'm looking at Robin, hoping that he's going to, uh, to open up and share some, uh, some deep and entertaining <laughs> stories with us. And I've got a couple in mind as well that kind of relate to uh, this theme of wilderness. And so uh, Robin was sharing last week that uh, his plan through the season of Lent for his Sunday morning sermons here in Basha and at the Pinocchio United Church is to explore some, uh, some different biblical characters who had wilderness experiences. Uh, and last week we talked about Adam and Eve and their exit from the Garden of Eden out into the wilderness of the world and, and uh, another possible way to interpret that, which was really fascinating. And if you haven't listened to last week's episode, you better check it out. Uh, and this week we're going to talk about the Noah and the Ark story. Is that right, Robin? Sure. And toilet paper. And toilet paper. We're going to talk about toilet which paper. Which they probably did probably not share have. our favorite brands, you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, no promotion um, there. So, so help, help how does toilet paper how, relate yeah, to that? How are we going to get there? People are crazy, Ben. People are crazy. They are indeed. How, how we got there when we were talking about this before. It, it, this, I cannot imagine... Uh, and I, and I, I, you know, whether you think the Noah story is literal or it's a metaphor, it's a myth, or you know what its purpose is, the fact is we tell this story about um, Noah and the Ark, where they Noah and the fa- and his family and the animals get on the Ark, and then they get off the Ark forty days later, right? That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, for content of those forty days, um, which I personally think is a wilderness experience. Um, not just because it's 40 days, but, it, well, we'll get to that. But but when we're talking about that, I was saying that that uh, I cannot imagine uh, what it would be like to be on one of those cruise ships that's quarantined because of the coronavirus. Um, I, I just, it, it would be crazy. And I, I mean, because the, the, I'm sure the cabins are so, especially if you're not in first class, the cabins are going to be tiny. Mm-hmm. You, you're not going to have a, um, a balcony or anything. So you're like in this really enclosed space. And... I imagine that I honestly I hope they are being very well cared for, um, and uh, I I saw a story the other day where people have they're getting like craft kits and things like that to keep them busy and stuff, oh, really? which is which is super and great. It except there's a there's a piece of that that is uh, the part that is most disturbing to me, and it's would be most disturbing to me, and it's not the being in an enclosed space by yourself thing, it's the how long. And, and not knowing how long it's going to be, right? right? And I say, or do I say they know? That, do they know how long they need to be? Kept? I don't. I I thought I thought they did at one point that it was there was a fourteen day, seventeen day window or something like that, where um, it's you know X amount of time before the virus should appear, and if it doesn't, then they're they're good to go, kind of, that kind of right. thing. Um, but uh, it seems to me like some of these people have been on some of these boats for a long time, <laughs> like yeah. longer than that. 
Um, but even if they're even if they're saying to you, oh, it should only be this long, you know that when some government official says to you, it should only be this long, it's not going to be that long. It's going to be way longer. You know it is. Of course. Because, you know. It's like hospital wait times. We yeah. anticipate or being on, and, on and hold on the phone. To be fair, not to be cynical about it, to be fair, I'm sure they're doing their best guess, right? Um, it, it, you know, but in any case, you're, you're not still really sure how long. Yeah. And so, so, uh, uh, and, and of course now we're being told, you know, you need to n- not shake hands and you need to take various precautions, wash your hands. Why we needed to be told that, I don't really know because you'd think we would, but still, um, wash your hands. And my personal favorite is the number of people who are stocking up on toilet paper. I don't understand why that's your go-to thing. I honestly don't. Yeah. Like, I don't get why. I, I just, that's crazy making to me. Um, but then again, I suppose that if you are on one of these cruise ships and uh, you realize that you're about to run out of toilet paper, um, your view of that might be different. <laughs> um, but everybody that I've talked to about this story is equally mystified and confused as to the logic. And But there's got to be enough people who are rushing out and, and doing this and buying buying up all the toilet paper that the stores are running out and is this like is that is this something that's happening all over the place because uh, i know I, it's happening even right here in well in i know our area. i know i went into a, a store the other day and there was very little left on the shelf for for toilet paper um and and so I, but i think there was a video in the news the other day of some costco somewhere that was people were just like it was like in canada you know no i think it was in the u.s um but but i i think once that kind of thing starts it's gonna it goes everywhere right like people just start doing it because they're afraid they're gonna miss out and i I like your (laughs) i like your your theory around the thing is if you go into a store and you're you're stocking up on supplies like even if you're buying uh canned goods or anything like that um you're gonna buy stuff that um uh, well, you're going to buy stuff, hopefully, that you know is going to last a long time and is good for you uh, and, and nutritious for you. What you're most likely to buy, though, is probably just crap in a can. Um, <laughs> well, you're going to... But, but people... you're going to buy... You're going to buy... Diff- you've got a variety of stuff to buy, right? Yeah. Whereas toilet paper is a one... It's a one-item thing. Like, even if you have your favorite brand, it's a one-item thing. And it's well, a every, necessity, Everybody right? needs it. Every, people people consider it a necessity, right? So, so yeah. I, I just seems so odd that that would be that. Like, why, why wouldn't there be a bigger run on, say, I don't know, bottled water? Exactly. Yeah, it, or, anyway, or hand sanitizer. It, it's, or... it's, it's, uh, it, 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 it's weird where our head goes sometimes with, uh, uh, with things like that. But, but the, the point of that is, which I, I think is kind of, um, getting back to Noah and the Ark thing. Um, we, we, okay. So a couple of weeks ago we talked about, um, you could intentionally, the, the thing about wilderness is you can intentionally go there. It's a place you go to explore right? To find yourself, um, to have a vision quest, you know, anything like that. Pilgrimage. Um, it's it's where you go intentionally. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about places that might not readily appear to be a wilderness, but perhaps are, and that's when we kind of turn the Adam and Eve story on its head. Um, but but the thing about, thing about the wilderness is that, that there's other ways you get there, right? And one of those ways, um, which is, I think, kind of the Noah's Ark story, and also, oddly enough, people on a cruise ship story, um, quarantined on a cruise ship story, some sort of 
thing happens, like some sort of apocalyptic thing happens, and suddenly you find yourself where you had not planned on being, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and and you don't know how long you're going to be there, but you know, like the wilderness is just another place on a journey, right? You can't get stuck there forever. Um, if you were stuck there forever, well, that'd be hell, um, literally. Uh, right eternity um, but but it's a place on the journey and we can get there by being uh, almost put there even if we even if we go willingly it might be because of a reason right like by just and, circumstance, and not just that we wanted to find ourselves circumstance right um, and and so the Noah story is a perfect example of that an, an apocalyptic thing is happening happening mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, and whether you take the story literally um, that that God was looking for, you know, Earth 2.0, um, and just starting over again, or, or whether it's a, a metaphor or it's an explanation of some sort of um, historic cataclysmic event. However, you look at the story, um, we do tell this story uh, in a way that basically puts Noah, his family, and a bunch of animals in the wilderness for 40 days. Um, and they had not intended that. Yeah. Right? They, they were planning for it in the sense that... Um, it was forced upon no, them. Well, it, not only that, but Noah was given sort of a heads up, enough time to... to this, as the story goes, he had the time right. and resources to... And so he was, probably, he was involved in Probably it. a lot of slaves. Yeah. <laughs> and he was able to build this great ship. Right. So he knew it was coming. Okay, but he but, didn't choose it. Yeah, and he, and he wouldn't have kind of thought, oh, gee, I better make sure I got some puzzles and some books. Um, I could be on there for a while. Everybody got an iPad, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, we've we've I know we've talked about the Noah story, story before, and we've talked a little bit about, like, why didn't the animals eat each other? Um, and again, again, not to be stupid about it, if whether you take the story literally or metaphorically or, or mythologically, however you understand the story, the, the fact is... A bunch of human beings and a bunch of animals were stuck in the wilderness for 40 days. And you have to wonder why they didn't eat each other. Um, you have to wonder how they managed to have enough food to last just the right amount of time without having to eat each other. Um, because they wouldn't have known how long it was going to be, right? Um, it, there's there's all sorts of questions around that. And, and I think it's interesting to explore that um, because that's it's an opportunity to kind of wonder... Uh, the very thing that's happening right now, you you have a, a a worldwide virus, and you start quarantining people. You start shutting down countries, literally, and and like how are how do people how are people going to deal with that? Um, you you're casting them out into the wilderness, as it were, um, for a period of time, and you're an indefinite period of time. You're not really sure how long. You know you're going to come out at the other end, one way or another, um, but. What, what do you do with that time now? Right. Um, and, and I just, I like, what, what would you do with that time? Like if I was on a cruise would, ship? Would you, would you go, would you go like, like when we talked about it, like you intentionally, and, and it's so wonderful to tell that story of Jesus going into the wilderness as a, he did that intentionally to find himself. Let's use our wilderness time to find, it's great to tell that story, but if you're not meaning to be in the wilderness, you're probably not thinking that way. You're not thinking, "Oh, great! Now I'm in the wilderness. What can I do with my time?" Yeah, there's a there's a big difference between being up on a mountaintop because you wanted to go for a hike and you were prepared and 
you're in shape and versus yeah. someone who just or finds some themselves. alien ufo grabbed you and dumped you somewhere else yeah right i mean like it's it's it, it what what are you going to do with that and and again uh, it's it's kind of this this is where this is where things start to get really tricky and you have to start talking about faith and belief and stuff right because um it, you know you can say to people uh, like we we talked about before, you can say to people, "Don't worry, you're not alone. God is with you." Like we say, "God is with us. We are not alone." How do you see that? Are you prepared to see that? Yeah. Are you open to seeing that? <clears throat> you know, I mean, like, the the people on the cruise ship, for instance. I imagine, like, I can't. I just can't. I'd be freaking out. I would probably be freaking out, and I'd be mad. And I would probably be mad at whoever it was who was bringing me food each day. Or my my craft kit, or my you know whatever it is, yeah. or or Your the person who's exactly, <laughs> um, uh, or the the person who the person who is showing me how to work my um, my uh, in compartment TV or whatever it is that they have if they have anything like that, and if they don't, oh my god, um, because we're used to that, right? Like we're used to we're not just. Even if you're on a cruise ship, you're used to going out and there's activities, right? Yeah. And if you're not doing the activities, you know, you're sitting in your cabin watching TV or your iPad or you're on the internet or we have so many ways to distract ourselves. And then suddenly somebody takes away those ways to distract it. What are you going to do? What do you do? What what happens? Like, how do you, how do you reframe things? in order to turn that into something that's at the very least not destructive mm. uh, and hopefully something that's uh, going to help you get through it if and and maybe even learn something from it. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I think we would hope that humanity is, that each of us and collectively that humanity is capable of aiming for more than just let's survive this. You know, like um, the power goes out and you've got all of a sudden an unknown length of time to to get through not having your lights on and your stove's not working and and <laughs> when it's happened to, to, at our house you know involuntarily you'll go to do like you'll hit the light switch knowing that the power's out but it's so we so are so used to it being there that yeah. without even thinking you go yeah. to go on your phone and the internet and, oh yeah that's that's not working or uh well i guess your phone would work with cell towers and stuff like that now but um just we we don't even think about those things not being there. It's just always there. And so when you are forced into, okay, we've got a an evening or an afternoon of the power's out and we don't know how long it's going to be, you find ways to get food on the table for the family. And I, I think that you're um, often the experience is one of let's turn inward to each other or into our own thoughts and and it's a, it's uncomfortable at first, but then often leads to a form of reconnection of one form or another. Mm-hmm. And there's that that opportunity is there. And I so my I would hope that we can aim to just well let's not just uh, set the bar at not dying and survival mode, but see this as an opportunity. Whether it's those people stuck on a cruise ship, or whether it's you know, you've got a power outage, or you're you live in Calgary along the Bow River and your basement's flooded and you all of a sudden have to reevaluate your your whole yeah. your whole life <laughs> because everything has just been turned upside down. Yeah. Whatever circumstances come along that say, hey, 
you're not in control, and I'm just going to remind you of that. <laughs> so uh, actually, that's interesting because it just and you said just as you said survival, um, I I just kind of thought like survivalists, right? Um, like preppers. Yeah, like okay, I I I'm and just I'm just asking a question. Why would you want to? Like if if what it takes is all of that. And having to fight, um, why would you want to survive? Like, what's the point of that? Well, what are you saying? It's better to just be unprepared completely. No, no. I'm, to... I'm just saying, like, if you're somebody who's stockpiling stuff in your basement, including guns and weapons and all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. Um, because preparing you're, for the... you're preparing for a battle, however yeah. it comes. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or people who built... Uh, um, bomb shelters when you know in the 50s and 60s yeah. right yeah. in case there's a nuclear war okay so there's a nuclear war that destroys everything except you in your bunker what, what, what would be the point of surviving <laughs> if there's nothing well maybe those people are going to repopulate the earth and reboot humanity robin maybe they are and and that's my that's just my point though is that again um in in order to have uh, uh i think an understanding of like that, that whole sort of wilderness experiencing, it, it's got to have, you've got to have a vision of something that's beyond it. Of an right? end, yeah. Right? It, being, being somebody who's, who's uh, you know, stockpiling weapons because, you know, you're not taking my damn guns. Um, and, uh, you know, you're building bunkers in case there's a, a nuclear war. Um, are you actually prepared for that event itself? Or are you prepared for what happens after that? That's a good question. But I also think, like, tying back to to the story of Jesus in the wilderness as as he was lacing up his sandals to 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 head out into the wilderness on day 1 i don't i think the whole point of that story is that he had no idea what uh what life was going to look like coming out the other end of that 40 days and so do you do you ask the person who's heading into the wilderness hey you know, you, you better have a, a pretty clear idea of what your end game is here, or is that an impossible request? Because the whole point is that it the wilderness journey transforms you or reveals something that you didn't see beforehand. And so Jesus, you know, came out the other end prepared to go into his ministry, like you were talking about last week. But before that 40-day wilderness experience... Maybe he didn't even know what. That's an, that. You know that's I mean? interesting. Uh, I I think I and I I think that uh, Jesus knew what needed to be done. He needed to just figure out how to do it. Hmm. Uh, and and I base that on my my thinking on that is is that I'm basing that on the fact that he was just baptized. And, you know, the story about he comes out of the water and the devil lands on him. The Holy Spirit comes to him and the voice of God says, this is my son. So we know who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the question is now, what, what's he going to do with that? So to me, that's kind of, that's more a story around, I know who I am. What am I going to do with it? Rather than I go to the wilderness to discover who I am. Right. Right. It's a little bit, it's a little bit different, but it's, yeah. it's nonetheless yeah. different. Um and so there's, the, I think there's a view to you come out of the wilderness prepared to do X, right? Yeah. And and you knew that going in. Um, although that's a really good point. 
what if going into the wilderness, Jesus thought, oh, I think I'm going to be doing this, and then came out of the wilderness going, nope, I'm doing this. Well, he, he was, after all... Because he discovered something different. Well, he, he was, after all, human. Right. And, and I don't know that I have ever met a human whose life journey was so linear and so such a, a uh, just predictable progression from A to B to C that they just knew, well, I'm going to... Well, my dad, actually, is an example of one person who was, who was so... Uh, clear on what he wanted for his life in terms of like career and stuff like that, that at a crazy young age, he said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be an optometrist and I'm going to be a pilot. And so if, if I want to achieve that goal, I'm going to need to do this. And then my grades are going to need to be this. And I'm going to need to earn this much money. And so he, he started when he was 13 or 14 working ridiculous hours to save up money. And then and and one thing did just progress to the next and to the next and to the next. But even for someone like him, um, the those that's the literal. That's like the stuff you see on the surface, like job and title, you know, pilot and all those kind of roles and things. But life's events and how life shapes you and who who you are is still for everyone. I think a total mystery um, as it unfolds. Is and, it? I I believe it is. I, it has been for me. <laughs> so here's where we're going to get into personal stories, Robin. So, no, Tell I, me I, about. Well, okay. So so uh, I think that uh, if, I think people have very different views on that, though. Uh, I think there are people who are very quite quite certain that um, from a young age that their life is going to go to a certain place because that's what they where they wish it to go, and they do everything they possibly can to go there. Mm-hmm. They might not get there exactly the same way. The journey's obviously not going to be exactly how they planned it, but but if you know their life goal is to X, right? Um, and and that can be anything from whatever their career is, or it's an, an artistic thing, or a family thing, or it's you know whatever it is. Um, there's a piece of that that. Um, uh, you know, I've I've always wanted to, kind of thing, right? Um, I think there's also people who um, believe that, uh, um, and I think this is how people generally put it: is um, I'm here for a reason, hmm. mm-hmm. right? The the uh, I don't want to say the purpose driven life because I just hate that so much, um, but it's uh, more like uh, more along the lines of um, Parker Palmer, right? Um, that um, uh, let your life speak. Right. Mm. And, and, and to be, be, uh, uh, to truly be who you are. I think we have specific right? gifts that we're here to right. share. And, or and to that, use. that to me is kind of part of the having a wilderness experience is to discover who you are. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I also think that the wilderness experience isn't a one off and that's how it is for everything. I think you have continually have wilderness experiences of a variety. Right. Um, and, and that's, that was my kind of point with what I, wanted to kind of do through Lent this year is that wilderness experiences are not 100% always I intentionally am going into the wilderness to discover myself or discover what I'm supposed to do. They are, they are sometimes, uh, thrust upon us. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sometimes, uh, it's, it's an experience related to grief. Um, uh, there's, there's a variety of different ways and a variety of different outcomes and they happen more than once. Right, so you could have several wilderness experiences in your life. You could have an annual wilderness experience if you're doing it intentionally. There's a just a whole variety of ways that that uh, that that works. Um, 
and and uh, I, I I I just I think that that people uh, we're all different, um, and that the, but we're and we're all human. But I think that's also one of the reasons why that that idea of of Jesus being about mentoring us to be in touch not only with our earthiness mm-hmm. but also our divine side, our holiness is is so important. Is that uh, um, it's 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 almost it's almost like that divine side is the side that says this is who I am, and um, the earthy side is this is how I connect with. Uh, you know, I, I sort of wonder about yeah. that sometimes. Like some right? people refer to that as your your higher self. Like you have, um, I think you guys uh, just recently, like the, there's in Basha, at the Basha United Church, there's a, a group that gets together to do a book study. Is it once a month? The, right. The Wellness Book Club. Yeah. Am I getting that right? Yeah. I joined you guys once for that. It was awesome. So one of the books you guys did recently that I haven't read yet, but it was, uh, was it I Am Here by Nick Nathan? Yeah. yeah. So I'd love to yeah. read that, but I've read one of his other books, or I'm working my way through it. I'm not, I'm a very slow reader. Um, but he talks about there being these different, uh, I think there's, it's kind of rooted in Buddhism. And mm-hmm. he talks about the, the idea of there being seven, I think it's seven different, uh, almost layers to your being. Like there's your, your, your body, your bodily self. There's your, your Buddha self which I'm a little bit fuzzy on what that one means now. Um, and then there's like your higher self. There's there's a, a layer that's like all about the connectedness that you have to other humans. Mm-hmm. There's just all these layers that kind of stack yeah. up. And, but I've, I've just heard a lot of people just um, not related to Buddhism at all, but um, people that just are, uh, they like that label spiritual, but not religious maybe. And that they'll just talk about their their higher self, their higher good. And that they're often, um, they're, it's it's distinctly separate from your um, maybe your, your present awareness at moments, where your higher your higher good or your higher self knows that you know this is an important season to go through because it's leading to this. But in your conscious awareness, it's not present to you yet. Right. I don't know if I'm explaining that clearly yeah. or not. So this is, I think this is, um, this is again one of those ways in which we're kind of, we are many but one. Um, I, I think we all have, we have different ways of describing things. Um, we use our own language and our own sort of mm-hmm. the terminology that's friendly to us kind of thing. Um, but we're often talking about the same thing. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and so whether you say like divine and earthy or, you know, higher self, the, that language, uh, which is which I always think is really cool, is if we could just understand it that way, is that we have different ways of explaining things because we have different ways of understanding things, but we're explaining and understanding the same thing. Yeah, if that makes any sense, it does um, to me. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah. Uh, a- a- anyway, um, I think the um, so getting back to the 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 uh, the whole kind of wilderness thing in the. Uh, wilderness thrust upon us thing um it, you know it's it's uh it's not just about it, it would be really easy to kind of look at these moments and go um uh, uh you know i'll just get some puzzles out or read a book yeah. and good thanks but you're not right i mean even if you're somebody if you're intro, an introvert or you're somebody who likes to spend time by yourself um you're still going to do something with the time by yourself 
Yeah. We, we just do. Because if you don't, it's destructive. So right? you, you start to get annoyed. You start to get like, you, um, unless you can find a way to be literally comfortable with yourself, except you're not just being comfortable with, your, with yourself. And that's, that's my thing is that, that I think um, we're, we're just a little bit too quick to go to, I'm not just alone, I'm disconnected from all things. Isolated, yeah. Yeah, isolated. And you're not, right? Even even, you know, even if I'm that, you know, locked in a cabin on a cruise ship, somebody's bringing you food and stuff. You, you're still, you still have ways to connect with the outside world. Um, and, and, but just as importantly, um, you need to find a way to connect with your inside world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and to be okay with that. Uh, and and the fact that people often are absolutely not okay with that, um, that's see, um, uh, it's like love your neighbor as yourself. How do you love your neighbor if you don't love yourself? Um, if you can't connect with yourself, you, yeah, you, you've you've got to, you've you got to find a way, right? So, Robin, I have a feeling that your views on all of this have got to have been shaped by some point or another some wilderness experiences of your own let me interview you here and ask you um what have what have been some some defining wilderness moments for you where that's been the challenge is to to look inward to be comfortable with yourself or to or how did you get through it what was take me back to a time um sure because i warned you that i was going to ask so, you this so uh, I'm going to go, okay, okay, but I'm going to go to my go-to okay. wilderness story. <laughs> That's fine. Um, yeah, well, I hope so, because you're in it. Um, and uh, that's, uh, okay, so my my journey into ministry might not have been as smooth as others. Um, in, in fact, I like, I thought I was going to be, I thought I was going to be a priest when I was 15. Uh, and it then took me, uh, what, 30 something years to get there. Um, cause I was distracted by the exotic allure of music. Um, <laughs> that's, that's how I describe it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, or, or I was just running away. I don't know. Anyway. Um, but, uh, I had, I reached a point where I, I, felt like ministry was where I needed to be. And I went to school. Um, and, uh, I, uh, I ended up in Bashaw as a student intern and, um, and, and I thought things were going okay. And of course, whenever you think things are going okay, they're probably not. And they weren't. Um, and, uh, uh, and this is one of those things where you kind of go, and this is, it's so easy when we tell biblical stories, it's so easy to point at how this was done to us by God, mm. and and by done to us, I mean both the 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 sort of punishment part and the uh, the the freedom part, the the um, redemption part. Right? Um, it's so easy to say that was done for us or to us, um, and we didn't have a part in it because then that absolves us from our responsibility of actually having to have a part in it, which we do. Um, and so it's often easy for us to say things like, uh, well, like people on a cruise ship, this was done to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, and there is a, there is a point at which absolutely. Um, but 
if you if you only ever look at it as this was done to me and you don't take any responsibility for your personal self mm-hmm. then you're it's all about this is done to me yeah so so walk us through so, kind of what so happened so I, I i need so so i think it's always important to acknowledge that you have a role in stuff and um my role in my my journey to ministry was a lot me <laughs> cuz it's who i am right i don't necessarily always do as i'm told um and uh i don't uh, necessarily always go the the structural route. In fact, I'm not a big fan of structure sometimes, and um, I am sometimes uh, the uh, my own worst enemy when it comes to the institutional church. Okay. Uh, and and so anyway, um, I'm just meandering in the wilderness for a moment. <laughs> you are. Tell um, me, get to the meat of it. So what, so what was um, the so I, I, I chose not to uh, accept settlement. Settlement um, being was, that they will yeah, they, give you they a... Yeah, they place you somewhere. Yeah. The church places you somewhere, um, or you don't get ordained. Right. Um, well, you have to be placed somewhere in order to be ordained. Let's put it that way. Anyway, um, I also had uh, some, some issues with being confirmed as a candidate and, and things. But the, the point is... I came here as a student intern to, to Basha and uh, then suddenly found myself with nowhere to go and not <laughs> knowing what the hell I was going to do. Yeah. Right? And uh, so... Um, because the, the placement here was meant to only be for, what, a couple, was, couple years? You're, yeah, you're not... Yeah, you're just kind of supposed to be uh, 18 months. Oh, okay. And then usually you can fill that in at the end until you're ordained and then you go wherever you're supposed to go. Um, and as it happens, okay, so what happened was I declined settlement, um, and then I was, uh, bumped a year. Um, uh, my approval was bumped another year. And then eventually, um, Basha actually lobbied for me to be, uh, settled here, which is not always done, but somehow, thankfully, um, the church agreed. And so I did actually get settled here. I think if I'm not mistaken, literally the year before, they stopped using settlement. <laughs> really? Um, so they don't so do that anymore. It might have been two years, but they don't. No, they don't. They don't do settlement anymore unless you ask to be settled. You, huh. I think you can still ask to be, but it's not a requirement. Anyway, the the point is. So here I was in all that that like all that whole like Turmoil? pile of wilderness stuff there. So uh, it's uh, I don't know May or June I think, and I'm just like I'd I'd taken to I'd literally taken to wandering around the streets of Bashot at night, just kind of wandering <laughs> around aimlessly, wondering what the hell I was supposed to be doing, and those are those moments where you kind of think to yourself, where is God in all of this? Mm-hmm. Um, like, and, and you start to wonder, like, it, what could I, what should I have done differently, or could have done differently, and that would be a very long list. Um, how could things have gone differently? Um, it, you know, you, you start to wonder about why, and, and then of course you inevitably turn to why would God do this to me? <laughs> right. Yeah. This, that kind of that thing. Classic and, question. and why isn't, why, why, like where, where is, so I'm wandering around the streets of Bashan, I come around the corner and there's Jesus standing in the street, literally. The, the one and only. Yeah, the one and only Jesus standing in the street. Okay, so what happened was I came around the corner and there was Ben Wilson. 
what you don't know is, of course, unless you know this story already, is that we we had just done uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, and you were Jesus. So my hair was down to my shoulders in, in Jesus Christ Superstar, and so I came around I came around the corner, and there you were, um, getting out of a car, I think, and uh, so, but to me, there was Jesus right there, and and it was one of those moments of uh, I know that's quite literal. Yeah. In the same way that, do you take the creation story literally? <laughs> kind of literal. Um, but not either. It was symbolic for you in some way? Or it, what, it, what? Just a, it was a reminder that, that uh, um, it, Jesus doesn't appear uh, the way you necessarily expect or want to. Mm. Jesus just appears. And the thing is to be open to seeing uh where Jesus is, where that, where that path is. Right? right. So what was distinct about that moment for you that wasn't just, Oh, there's Ben, because, you know, like you'd said, we'd just spent months, um, in, in community, uh, uh, bu- building community through putting on this play, uh, spending lots of time together at rehearsals. So why, why I not have a just come around the corner? Oh, thinking, there's Ben. I think I have a feeling that part of my thinking went around, um, um, Part of my thinking might well have gone around. Um, there's Ben. He was Jesus, and Jesus. Oh, look! It's Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> ha, this is going to be a good story. But then, when you think about it, right? Uh, when you start to think about things like that, I think it reminds you. Uh, it ought to remind you that Jesus is everywhere. Like yeah. God is everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's it's not about God not being there. It's about whether we're able to see, or willing to see, or how we look. Yeah. To see. So it's, right? it's about how you interpreted the moment, which is... Right. And, and and one could also then easily then point out that, in fact, you were not actually from Basha. You were from a different different town. Um, and, like, you shouldn't have been there. Like, why were you there? <laughs> and why were you there, Ben? Because your I wife... believe you were picking up... <laughs> no, I believe, actually, on that particular day, oh. I believe you'd come to see Kelly. Who you later married, as if, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yes, right. See, so our your journey goes in different ways, um, but um, but I, I think kind of where I went, my head went with that was exactly that. Like we we are, it it's it's funny to point and go, oh look, that's the guy who is Jesus in the. So we're it it's easy to see what we expected to see. Yeah, and it's not always easy to see. Um, it, it's not always, uh, I don't want to say it's not always easy to see Jesus, um, because it's not, it's not to me now, it's not about Jesus not being there. It's about our uh, ability, our willingness, our, our uh, openness um, to seeing. Yeah. Right? There, oh, that just made me think of a, there's an amazing song by a singer-songwriter named Simon Hoskins, uh, and it's called Seen and Unseen. And it's kind of about that idea of that just what we what we see and actually take in is such a tiny fragment of what's really there. Yeah. And I think it's it's be, because of that um, just the the nature of uh, perception and interpretation that you could have interpreted that one of a million different ways. So that world of what's unseen is almost infinite because you could interpret all of, all of these events and, and circumstances around you 
uh, going through that wilderness journey that you're describing of the uncertainty of where, where do I belong? What's going to happen? What's going on with this process? Why is this being so difficult? Um, what should I do? What should I do next? Where's God in all of this? And then you see somebody that triggers something that you interpret as, okay, God's here. Yeah, it's, uh, yes. Well, and that's the whole belonging things part of that too, right? It's what you see is, uh, your lens, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, if you are, if you are, uh, if you are open to seeing, uh, like, like here's, here's the thing we, we've been talking for a bit recently too, about how, um, like I, well, I have about how, uh, instead of understanding Jesus as a teacher or a great teacher or, you know, the various ways that we describe Jesus, um, I'm starting to say mentor now, um, yeah. because I think a mentor, um, and, and we're the apprentices, right? The, the, the job of the mentor is to, to draw out of you who you are and make that into some, to what it's supposed to be. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that you can make that. So, um, and I, I see that whole thing about Jesus, um, um, human and divine as a way of mentoring us into understanding that we are connected to God and we are connected to the earth, right? It goes back to the creation story, um, and all of that stuff that's all connected. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's a question of us, um, reestablishing or finding again, that connection, mm. right? The idea of bringing us back to God is about reconnecting us with the, with, with what we, with the connection we already have. It's already there. Mm -hmm. We've, we've just kind of lost, lost how to, yeah, we've, or, so or, or we've pushed it away or we've hidden it or, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. however you want to describe that. It's, it's about us reconnecting with, with, uh, who we truly are. Mm. Um, and reconnecting with the with the world and with and and the, that's that's God right is how we are all connected that mm. that thread that uh, way that we're all connected um, and uh, the thing about the thing about wilderness experiences is that they don't just provide us with the opportunity to ex to explore that to find it they provide us with opportunities especially when the wilderness has been forced on us they they provide us with an opportunity to uh, explored in it, what we might already know is there in a new and different way. Right. right? So I've, I've got a, a wilderness story that ties perfectly into that um, thought. But before we switch into, before I go take us in that direction, I want to pull apart a little bit more of, of your story. And I'm really curious, um, how did you, like you talked about uh, the fact that we all have responsibility in those moments that it's not just, oh, you know, look what God's done to me. Uh, and you recognize now, looking back, like your part in uh, the fact that you ended up in, in this wilderness uh, place for a period of time. How did, how did you deal with yourself or how did you deal with that moment and just being with yourself and feeling alone or feeling um, like how, how did that, where did it go from there? From that walk, what what difference did it make that I ran into you on the street? Well, I'm curious about that, but I'm also just curious how you um, how you moved forward through the rest of it and how that kind of resolved itself and brought you to where you're at. So, on the, I think on the simplest on the simplest level, um, it was it was an opportunity to remind myself that um, you are where you are, um, 
and you are who you are. Now, what are you going to do with that? Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think the next thing that I did was I found, um, a way to stay in Bashaw, um, with a part-time job and also being part-time, um, um, what would we call it in those days? I think I was student supply technically. Um, so I was still working half time at the church. Um, because oddly enough, something I had sort of lost touch with in that particular moment was that people might've still wanted me to be around. Hmm. I know, right? It's, it's you, the, even sometimes the most obvious things disappear from your radar. Yeah. Suddenly. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's not because they're not there. It's because you're not looking for them or you've decided not to see them. Right. Right. You're um, not letting it in. Uh, so, um, that was that was certainly that was certainly uh, a part of that, um, but it it also then gave me an opportunity to um, to uh, sort of re-engage where I was at in a way that I thought might move me forward. So how did um, you, tell us, tell me about that? Like, what well, did you do? Well, just just um, um, I think I think actually maybe maybe I should say that the other way around. So in a more backwards kind of way, um, I think I'd kind of thought I'm done. Time to go. Okay. And realize that sometimes you're not done, <laughs> and it isn't time to go. Um, and and uh, as it turns out, since I'm still here, it obviously wasn't time to go. As at least as far as I can tell, I mean. There could have been several times when people thought I should go, um, <laughs> but as far as I can tell, I'm still not done yet. Yeah, um, and I I think that's often a that's often a, a place where people need to spend a little bit more time when they think something's done, or and it's time to move on to something else, or um, they're looking to move on to something else, not realizing that maybe they're not done where they're at. Um, but but that's certainly where I was at, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of found a way forward with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also coincidentally happened to, um, meet my wife here. So, you know, there's that too. I believe you're familiar <laughs> with that, Ben. Coincidentally, hey? Yeah, coincidentally. Um, and, uh, and, but, but so I, again. So obviously that, sorry to cut you off, but I mean, I think that's a really important part of the story that we can't just skip over is that you found love. And you found. In, in a variety of ways, in, in fact. Yeah, and yeah. not just in a romantic, um. Uh, in a way, but you, uh, you were feeling uncertain. You were feeling lost. You were feeling, you were literally wandering the streets, like you said. And there yeah. was, uh, there was no degree of certainty or confidence that, you know, this, I just got to stick it out and then it's, it's all going to work out. There was, there was no way you could just know that. Well, and, that, but then there in the midst of all of that, not only did you have this kind of forced upon you period of time of, of, um, hardship or tri- trials and tribulations, but uh, um, inwardly looking yeah. at your at yourself and and dealing with okay, well, what, who am I? What do I want? And then you find these these loving relationships, community relationships, yeah. your relationship with Lori. Tell me about how how all of that influenced that that part of the journey. But uh, see, I think that's that's how we I, again we've lost the connectedness. Right. It's easy to say things like God is with us. We are not alone. It's easy to say, you know, God is here. It's easy to say stuff like that. Um, But until we get back to being truly connected to it, um, it's very easy to go in the opposite direction. 
mm-hmm. right? It's very easy to it, it's it's easy to go. Um, uh, God will provide, and not realize we have a part in that. That the complete piece of that is God will provide in such a way that we can be we that we are involved in it, right? In with something that we need to do, we have a part to do, right? right? You can't just get I, I, I oh. Uh, what's the, uh, there's an acronym for something along the lines of leave everything to God, leave it all in God's hands. Um, I, I, I think that's a mistake. So um, what did you do? I, I think we have a part, like we have to have a part. You can't yeah. just kind of go, Oh, it's all up to God. Yeah. yeah um, it, it's, it's cause we're part of that. We're connected to it. Um, you, you have a role, right? Um, and that's that's something I was uh, I always talk about with whenever we tell miracle healing stories, it's kind of like we tell a story where Jesus goes Shazam, smacks somebody on the head, and they're instantly healed, like they had nothing to do with it. Unless, of course, we tell one of those stories where Jesus actually says, "Your faith has made you whole," and then we go, "Wow, good one-liner, Jesus." It's still Jesus doing the healing. Um, we forget we have a part. Mm-hmm. in it right and even the stories where we talk about jesus healing somebody and i like i i like to say we got like two minutes of that story that was probably all day where jesus sat down and talked to them and said what well, tell me your story and and engage them in some way their participation in it was key so to be bring part it back of it, right? to robin so, 20, 2009 what so was it your... wasn't enough to just kind of go i have seen jesus on the street in bashaw um it was that was the 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 piece that reminded me i think that um that that i need to be open to seeing mm-hmm. um where jesus is and and where god is working in all of this and how how being open to seeing the possibility of what uh, maybe i'm not done here maybe maybe there's more maybe i can contribute more here maybe um i can engage more here maybe i can find more here mm. right um to being open to that um and and so you find yourself like stepping out of the wilderness into um you know, kind of like telling the story about adam and eve right the wilderness was a place of ignorant blissful comfort mm. and then suddenly they find themselves out in the world having to do stuff <laughs> yes you do yeah so what did you do what um, what new action seemed available to you after you had that paradigm shift? I think it was actually for me. Actually, in that moment, it was as simple as um, how do I from going from well now what do I do because I have to get out of here to <laughs> now what will I do because I can do something here? Wow! That I'm supposed to be. This is where I'm supposed to be. So let's. What do I do? Let's look at um, it differently. Let's look at it differently. And and I think lots of people lots of people might uh, find themselves in the same place, right? Where you kind of go, I can't wait to get out of here. Um, and somehow something reminds you that you can do something where you're at. Hmm. And you make that different. And sometimes we spend entire lives not knowing that. Oh, uh, it, it, there was back in the day, and there's been more like this, I'm sure, but it was the one that kind of stuck with me because it was music related. <laughs> Back in the day, there was a movie called uh, Mr. Holland's Opus. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the very, very, very famous actor who played... Dreyfus? Richard Dreyfus. That was it. I was going to say his name's just gone out of my head. That's how Just bad popped I am. into mine. Um, I'm terrible but for basically remembering Basically, the story is about a guy who wants to be 
uh, a famous composer and write write the famous American Symphony. Yeah. And he has to take a job as a, a menial job as a music teacher in a school. Yeah. And the what the essentially what the movie is about is his career being a music teacher. Um and and but always wanting to thinking that's not what he's supposed to be. He's supposed to right. be a composer, he's supposed to this and so, and then at the end of it realizing how many lives have been touched or changed by him being there for them as a teacher. Yeah. Right. How many, how many people, um, how many experiences, um, changed people's lives because he was there doing that. And, and the realization that that was where he was supposed to be all along. Right. Yeah. Um, and we're just, we're, we're never really good at realizing this is where I'm supposed to be because we're always wanting to be somewhere else. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's so human. Yeah. It reminds me of that quote. It's, it's so uh, human, but if we were in touch with the divine part of ourselves, we might actually mm, understand. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So Sorry, go no, ahead. No, it's just that, that speaking of one-liners, um, that uh, grow where you're planted, or there's, I'm sure there's various versions of that, or blossom where yeah. you're planted. Yeah, uh, there's where various, you're various versions of that. But yeah. then it, yeah. it brings up the question of, well... Do you look at do you look around and at your circumstances and say, well, I guess this is where I'm planted, this is what God had in store for me, I'm going to make the most of this, or it uh, it may, maybe appears different if you're looking at it as this partnership between ourselves and God with that shared responsibility of of planting yourself with God's help and having some say in in where you're planted. I, I mean that. That that's how I feel. My my Basha story of coming here and and ending up in Basha it was a bit of that is realizing that oh you know what this is not at all what I had thought my was going to be my life, but there is there is a place for me here that feels right, mm-hmm. and instead of moving on toward what I thought were you know my goals for my life and that would have led me away from here. Um, I think it was a mix sort of of seeing it as, well, God's brought me here. So maybe he's, maybe God is planting me here, but me also taking action, take, taking responsibility, having, having some, some say in that. Yeah. So I, I want to share with you yeah. a wilderness story and I'm just going to check our time. I think we're, yeah, we're okay. We're, we're getting toward the, what's normally around the end. Uh, for, um, for, is for there today. ever an end, well, Ben? That's a good question. Yeah. But uh, I just quickly wanted to share a wilderness experience that I had um, a couple of years before you and I would have met in Basha. So I was doing some traveling, and um, this is in back in 2006. I had a little two-seater airplane. You'll know this story because you've seen my little documentary film about it, I think. But I, I flew this air coop from Pinoca out to the West Coast and all the way from Victoria to St. John's, Newfoundland and back home. So it was a, a, a pretty epic wilderness adventure mm-hmm. of sorts over the course of a whole summer and fall. So like four and a half months of, of, of flying, you know, hopping from small airport to small airport. And my goal was to not, um, not spend any money uh, on accommodations. So I, would, I had a tent and a sleeping bag. And a lot of the time I would stay with friends and family and people that I knew along the way across the country or... There was a number of times where I ended up just staying with complete and total strangers that I would meet along the way and say, hey, you know, we have a spare bed. We have a couch. Come and, uh, you know, sleep somewhere warm. 
And so it was a very, you know, Jesus in the wilderness type of experience mm-hmm. in many ways, especially this one uh, summer evening that I found myself in, uh, really in the wilderness in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. So I'd landed at this tiny little airport that no one used anymore in a place called Marguerite Valley. And uh, I just saw it on the map and thought, well, that that takes me toward where I want to head next, which was over to, to Prince Edward Island. But um, this would be a great place to stop uh, for the night. So I land in this little valley and there's nobody around. There's no buildings at this airport. The airport's got weeds growing up through the cracks. It looked like no one had landed there in a long, long time. And I'm unpacking the airplane and getting my stuff out and, uh, you know, pulling my, my backpack out of this tiny little space behind the seat. Uh, this, it, I mean, you've, I think you've seen the airplane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back. I don't own it anymore, but it was absolutely tiny. Not, not room for anything more than a little backpack. And uh, all of a sudden, I noticed that there that I'm not completely alone. There's some people there, and there was uh, a family that was out picking wild blueberries that grew along the edge of the runway. And um, luckily, none of their children ran out onto the runway while I was coming in to land or anything. But they were really fascinated with this um, person from away who had just landed uh, in mm-hmm. their uh, in their little community when no one uses this airport anymore so we got talking and they uh, handed me a pail and I started picking blueberries with them as we were talking and their kids were really fascinated with this airplane and so I offered to take them up for a little ride so I took each of the two uh, young girls up for a quick like five or ten minute flight around Cape Breton just around their little area and that was like it just blew their minds. Like that was never something, I don't think either one of the girls had ever been in an airplane, period. It was their first time in the air. And I love giving that, that experience to people. And all the, the way across the country, I would, I gave rides to, I think over a hundred, 110 people or something like that. And, um, so it's in the evening. They, uh, they invite me to come and have dinner with them. Uh, as we'd been visiting and getting to know each other a little bit. So I thought, well, sure, that sounds great. I probably had, you know, some canned food or something, <laughs> speaking of um, speaking of canned food. So I go and have supper with them. Fantastic family, like just so hospitable and generous. And they had very little, like they were not, uh, not well off. And, but they just shared so generously with me at their, um, at their place. And then uh, they, they drove me back to the to the airport because I said explained that I had my tent and I was going to just camp there and then carry on my way in the next day, and um, so I set up my tent and I'm getting settled in for the night and the wind is starting to pick up a little bit and before long I find myself in this full blown summer uh, evening thunderstorm like. The wind is just lashing at the the fly on the tent. The rain is just like, it's this torrential downpour. And it's probably like midnight or so by the time the storm really hits its peak. And I'm I'm laying there in my tent trying to fall asleep. Um, but it's it's so extreme that I'm just like, I'm starting to get scared and concerned. And I, I, I remember thinking to myself, why am I scared? It's just a rainstorm. Like, what's going to happen? But I felt so alone because I was in this remote place mm-hmm. that I didn't know, in this mountainous valley, a uh, little little valley up in the Cape Breton Mountains, basically, and um, and the 
the wind was so strong. I, I actually was concerned that the, the tent was going to blow down. And it was, anyway, so I was scared. And I remember just, there was this moment where I decided to kind of call out to God. And I had this, I just said this little prayer to basically asking God to show me that I was not alone and that it was going to be okay and make it through this, this uh, kind of scary storm. And no, like literally seconds after that prayer, I heard this rumbling through the storm and all of a sudden saw headlights and heard tires crunching up onto the gravel near my airplane. And because I had just pitched the tent right behind the airplane. And it was this family that had taken me home to their place for, for dinner. They'd driven out in the middle of this storm at midnight to check on me and make sure it was okay. And I heard, I just heard this little, this voice of this little girl who I'd taken for the airplane ride hours before. And she was just calling out, Ben, Ben, are you in there? Are you okay? In her adorable Cape Breton accent. And I just felt like overcome, like washed over with this sense of like, love really and care and that and not being alone and that gesture of like reaching out and, and coming and checking on this uh vagabond stranger traveler um made me feel and they, and she said you know come come and sleep on the couch and get dry i said you know i'm i think i'm gonna stay i'm gonna i'm okay but thank you so much for checking on me and they came back out again in the morning and picked me up and brought me in and we had, and had breakfast at their place and and then they sent me on their way and that that next day coincidentally was a was a sunday and because of that experience i felt inspired to i thought yeah i got to find a church somewhere nearby if there is one and just like i want more of that feeling of reconnecting with with spirit mm-hmm. or with with god and i i think it was a baptist church maybe in the in marguerite that i um wandered down the road and maybe hitchhiked, I can't remember, but found my way to this church. And then at that church, ended up meeting another family that kind of took me in and they fed me for, and I ended up staying there for a a day or two. They loaned me their car and I drove all around Cape Breton exploring the coastline and like just the generosity and the, the, the stuff that came out of that wilderness experience, if you call it that, was so rich and so fruitful and so full of connection and um, fellowship and uh, just it, the whole thing was was totally uh, incredible. It, it put my it put my whole state of being into this um, deep uh, sense of openness and curiosity about others and ability to just receive deeply, but also to try to want to give back and inspiring me to try to, to return some of that generosity. And it was very humbling and also very inspiring. And it re- it's kind of one of my kind of anchor stories that I'll go back to and, and relive in my, in my head, in my memory, uh, that really made me feel that in the, in the midst of the wilderness, that we are never alone and that I definitely wasn't in the middle of that it's, storm. But there's also, uh, there's ele- elements of your story that I think are the elements of any story that's a wilderness experience like that, um, where you're connected to, you feel connected to God, but you also f- 
in spirit, but you also feel connected to God in the in the sort of the hands and feet of others, right? The presence of others, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and that's that's part of the uh, um, that I I think that's part of the the learning of any wilderness experience. Learning, yeah, I think I mean that of any wilderness experience is is being open to seeing that, mm-hmm. um, being open to experiencing that, and then. And your engagement in that is what not only brings you out of it, but gives you something to take away from it. Yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, And, and so, so because again, being in the wilderness is only part of the journey, right? It's just a place in the journey. Um, It gives you something to take to the next place. Yeah. Yeah. It really does, but you have to choose it. You have to, yeah, well, uh, you you have to at least choose to be open to it. Yeah, I think I mean that. Yes, I think receiving it is a yeah is often a fairly conscious choice. Yes, um, I but I think I, I think the I think uh, I would say that I would express that as um, open to engaging it. Yeah. Uh, being open to see it and open to engaging it, um, because uh, obviously there are wilderness wilderness experiences where the engagement with it isn't simply to say yes, do it to me. That's that's the that's the, the that's a, the temptation story, right? In the wilderness, right? Right. Is that uh, uh, Jesus is tempted, but but doesn't give in to the temptation, um, uh, but still engages it and learns from that, right? Yeah. Uh, from the so it's the engagement that we learn from, not simply. Um, and and in fact, in fact, you welcomed there. It, well, you even said you decided not to go. In, you decided to stay. Yeah. Right. Uh, in the tent, but so but you welcomed there and em- embraced their concern and their love for you. Yeah. Um, you didn't take them up on their offer, right? So it's it's the engagement piece that's important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Hmm. Well, yeah. um, I think we're we're probably about to break a record for one of our longest episodes, so we should probably... That was a long story, Ben. I know. Well, you know, yours was long, too, because you kept coming away from that. Meandering yes. out into the wilderness, away from what was actually happening. Um, but mine was a life story, Ben. Yours yeah. was like one night. <laughs> In your in your journey, you, you spend how you many know, years, and, yeah. and I spend like twenty four hours in my story. Well, but but actually, that's a really good. I think that's a really good point to make too. Is that that we we don't know how long we're going to be mm. in the wilderness uh, any more than we know how long we're going to be where we're at, right? You you uh, or how uh, long you, we'll be you on can, this you earth? Can, you can envision you can envision timelines, um, particularly for somebody who believes in linear time unless of course you believe that all time coexists at the same point in time in which case you know whatever but um but you can envision timelines and things because we do we we clock stuff right mm-hmm. um but but when it comes to things that are uh spiritual experiences or the, those kind of big learning experiences those kind of things it's best to simply engage and see where it goes mm-hmm. um and not kind of go Okay, we're done here. Right? Yeah. In fact, that's often a key learning from wilderness experiences to not go, yeah, I'm done with that. It, it's to just 
embrace embrace the the moment and engage the whatever it is and well i think we both must you. have been doing that this morning robin and that's why that's this why it has taken was, us there yeah uh, went over an hour i think that's yeah best that's explanation yeah i think this i think this wilderness <laughs> has come to an end then i think so yeah I mean, we've come out the other side well uh thank you for sharing openly of your life and your and also with you yeah well you're welcome you know how i love telling a story um thank you everyone for listening to our stories and for joining us today and i hope that uh hope that you enjoyed it i hope that it maybe brought up some some thoughts or memories or reflections on some of your own wilderness experiences and wilderness journey and maybe you're in the wilderness right now and the, and this has spoken to you I, wherever you're at um i hope that you enjoyed it and appreciate your listening and until you join us next time take care and be well <laughs>